We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Waramai people, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. We celebrate the stories, culture and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders of all communities who also work and live on this land. You're listening to Boob to Food, the podcast with Luca McCabe and Kate Holm. There is so much noise in the parenting space. And we don't mean the tantruming toddler. We understand it can feel confusing, conflicting and overwhelming. That's why we are bringing our years of experience as a midwife, nutritionist and naturopath. And of course, mums. So that you can confidently navigate the roller coaster of motherhood from boob to food and beyond. Each week you'll hear practical wisdom, expert advice and inspirational stories of other mums in the depths of this parenting journey. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. Today's episode is brought to you by Grubbies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Boob to Feed the Podcast. Today, we have another little mini bonus episode for you with our beautiful OT, Rach. And we're going to be talking about food throwing and high chair refusal. So for babies and toddlers. And I feel like when looking at our subscription group, these are the questions that I think Rach answers the same thing <laughs> multiple times every day because it seems to be like everyone... Everyone seems to go through this and I'm definitely, I have been through the things with all of my children at different stages, but at the moment I'm still in the high chair refusal with mm-hmm. Will. So I'm actually excited to learn your tips, Rach, with what you can share with us. So I guess starting off, why do babies throw food? So if we're looking at before 12 months old, why do they do it? Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. Firstly, hello everyone. And yeah, definitely. <laughs> I agree with Luca. I feel like I'm living in the thick of it, having an almost two-year-old myself. So I am constantly asking the why question. And I think <laughs> that's the right question to ask because sometimes we do jump to what to do. Yeah. Um, and you asked specifically about babies first, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, I mean, all behavior is communication, like it's mm-hmm. telling us something. So we definitely want to put our detective hats on and get curious and figure out why. If we're having our yummy, delicious homemade food thrown on the floor, it can be really <laughs> frustrating. So asking why is is great. I think, yeah, you're, what you're probably touching on and asking is when it comes to babies, I think it's important to start by flagging that in those first couple of months of starting solids, babies are going through, you know, developmental stages that can make throwing food really normal, um, particularly up until sort of nine, 10 months, sometimes even beyond that, um, babies can be exploring cause and effect And for some reason, their favorite way to test out cause and effect is by throwing things from Mm -hmm. um, high vantage points. So I feel like whether it's throwing (laughs) the dummy out of the cot or throwing something out of the pram that you're constantly, you know, collecting and fetching for them or throwing the broccoli off the high chair, that's often how they test out that. Yeah, that's how they learn. They're learning that when they initiate an action, something happens. So it can be really normal. I don't think we should jump to thinking that it's a baby just trying to push push our buttons or um, test a boundary. I think they're exploring and they're learning often in those first few months. But we do know that babies can be um, can be smart little little ones as well. So there can obviously be other things that are contributing in those first yeah first six months if we're thinking of a baby under twelve months. Commonly, one thing that maybe throwing food for a baby could be communicating is that they're not able to manage the size or the shape of the food in their hands. Um, if they're not able to you know bring it to their mouth, if the piece is too small, or if they can't manage it in their mouth, then that could be a reason why they're throwing it off. It's just too tricky for them to manage. Another one could be that they're not feeling comfortable in their chair. I think I. I 
I love talking about supportive high chairs, but that can be another thing. Um, another reason that babies can be feeling distressed or feeling uncomfortable and throwing food can be a natural way to do it. Could also just be that they're not hungry. That could be one of the things they're communicating. So making sure we're thinking about the timings of meals um, and gradually as they get closer to 12 months, you know, working towards, you know, 60 to 30 to 60 minutes, I suppose, after the milk feeds. The babies as well. This was definitely one for Olive when she was in those first few months. Um, one of the reasons I think she would resort to throwing was if she was tired. And sometimes mm-hmm. you know, we can get home from the busy morning and squeeze a meal in mm-hmm. um, before nap time. But often those meals are the one, yeah, are the times where we see the tricky, the tricky type behaviors come out because they are tired. Mm-hmm. They're probably some of the main toddler, well, they're probably some of the main baby and also toddler, toddler <laughs> reasons for food throwing. And so what should we do when our baby's throwing food? <laughs> good question. Definitely good question. Um, and it probably does depend to what is being communicated. Mm. Um, so if, yeah, depending on the reason for food throwing, will definitely um, influence and should impact the way we respond. We want to make sure we're responding appropriately. And I guess asking some of those questions to sort of some of the questions that can help you get to the bottom of the why, maybe before I jump into a couple of practical ones, is going through those kind of um, those big picture questions to look at the pattern of the habit. You know, is it happening as soon as you bring the food out or does it happen towards the end of the meal? Like that's going to give you, you know, clues about whether or not it might be just that they're getting tired or that they're getting full. Mm-hmm. Another one to reflect on is does it happen with any type of food, you know, even their really preferred foods or is it just happening with things that are non-preferred or things that they don't really enjoy or is it just happening with a specific type of texture so asking those kind of questions can probably help but I think like the best way to sort of break strategies down when we're talking about anything baby toddler behavior related is to think about the things we can do proactively before something like throwing happens and then what we can do reactively um, you know if or when it happens because it usually does happen at some point for all babies and toddlers so proactively we love talking about family meals but I think sitting down giving your little one attention eating with them can be hugely helpful for reducing throwing I know that um, another reason that Olive went through a throwing phase I'm pretty sure was when I was distracted or on my phone or using meal times to quickly do something it can often be a way that they're asking for our attention and they're asking for connection so that's a proactive one um, reduce the amount of food on the plate. If babies are feeling overwhelmed by how much is there, they're probably going to be more likely to throw. So reducing that, um, yeah, making sure the food sizes match their motor skills. So making sure that they can pick up the food and bring it to their mouth without too much frustration. And then building in some alternatives. If they're communicating that they're finished and that they're full by throwing food, then that's a good clue that a way you might want to respond is by teaching them a way to say that they're finished. So for toddlers that, you know, you might be able to work on, um, you know, communicating verbally that they're all done or that they're finished for babies. I love, um, I love using keyword sign because little ones are able to, they develop their motor skills before they develop their verbal communication. So that's something we did was just from the start, whether it was mealtimes or play, building in the keyword sign for finish. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can link, I suppose we could link some, some links to keyword signs. So it's a really easy way to build in communication patterns. Cause then if your little one's throwing rather than getting upset, you can just say, oh, it looks like you're telling me you're finished. So you're modeling an appropriate communication, um, Mm -hmm. which is then going to give them tools to communicate appropriately when they have those skills. Um, And then the final kind of redirection that's helpful is the explorer's plate. Or the no thank you plate. So I think we talked about this last time yeah. we chatted, but having another plate, whether that be on the high chair, next to the high chair, or perhaps even your plate that you're able to redirect your child 
if they don't want that food on their plate because they don't like the look of it today or it's not a preferred Mm. food today or for whatever reason, they're able to move it off their plate and that's okay. Um, They can be some helpful redirections. And then in the moment, um, I yeah, it's hard. And I think the way you respond changes over age, depending if it's a six-month baby, 12-month or, you know, beyond, I think it's different. Mm. But I'm all about really neutral reactions for these kind of things, not not ignoring them, but just keeping things neutral so it doesn't become too much of a game. Mm. So I think if we pick food up straight away, it can start the cycle of throwing food, picking food up, throwing food, and that can become Mm. fun for Mm. babies and toddlers. So being neutral, um, I think it's okay to pick the food up. But yeah, watch your baby. Perhaps you might want to wait until the end of the meal or you might want to wait until they've moved on with eating something else before you pick it up so that it's not becoming too fun. How many times would you pick it up, Rach? Oh, gosh. <laughs> is there a time? I you know, feel when, you, like when you pick it up, you put it back and then this they, is, they do probably, it again and then they scream for you to pick it up. So then you pick it up and you put it back <laughs> and then they do it again, but then they scream because yeah. they want it. And you're like, how many times do I do this? Look, the natural consequence, you know, a natural consequence of throwing food off the, you know, off the high chair is really that it stays off the high chair. And I think natural consequences are the easiest way for our little ones to learn. Mm. So I think you're probably right. You know, if you're doing it once or twice, um, depending on what the behavior and the throwing is communicating, I think Mm -hmm. it's um, usually a good idea to leave it on the floor then. But we've got to be careful because sometimes kids will use throwing simply as their way of saying they're finished. Mm. And if we go, well, the food's on the floor, out you get, it almost reinforces the throwing. So I think it's okay. You don't have to pick it up again, but you'd still want to redirect to something else. Like, Mm. okay, we can say we're all finished. I'll help you do the sign. Um, So we don't want them to see throwing as a really easy way of communicating as well. Mm. Um, But yeah, two pickups is probably more than enough. We'll be back after this short break. Today's episode is brought to you by Grabbies. These are my absolute favorite baby dinnerware and utensils. I love their four-piece baby feeding set and that the utensils come in different stages for little hands. They start with stage one, which is a small silicon spoon and fork, and then they grow to stage two. And now my children who are older are on the stage three, which is stainless steel, which is still that little bit smaller than an adult spoon and fork, but just makes meal times a little bit less frustrating for them. Mm, and Gravies offer not only cutlery, but they have a full range of thoughtful and developmental baby feeding products so plates bowls cups toothbrushes even they've got yeah so many different products and they're all made from high quality non-toxic food grade materials all of their products have also been made in consultation with pediatric feeding specialists pediatric dentists and occupational therapists and actually Rachel our occupational therapist highly recommends them within the boob to food community and to her own patients as well she is a big fan just like we are you can use the code boob to food in capital letters for 10% off your order. Visit grabbees.com.au. That's G-R-A-B-E-A-S-E.com.au to place your order today. Now let's get back to today's episode. <laughs> I'll remember that because we're still still go through You're that. You're still in it. What about with like young babies, if you were to see mm. them go to throw the food, would you redirect their hand like in the moment do you find that's helpful yeah yeah I think if you can jump in if you see those early signs of a baby looking like they're going to spot the food Mm. off or a toddler picking it up and looking like they're going to throw it across the edge of the table definitely Mm -hmm. I think starting meal times with a reminder if you know that your little one's in a throwing phase or is prone to throwing like a reminder that food goes 
on the tray or it can go on the plate. You know, if you've got a little explorer's plate there, then yeah, straight away, if you can see it happening, try to redirect to the appropriate spot. You know, even if that means you have to jump in and help their hand, obviously gently. Mm. Um, And then similarly, I think if we're picking up the food, you know, they've thrown it one time, that can be a really nice time when we pick it up to say like, how about we try it again? Not no throwing, stop throwing, but we can redirect to the positive. How about we try it again? Food goes on our no thank you plate. Let me help you. And I think with some modeling and then some really warm reinforcement, yeah, that's right. It goes there. Um, Most babies and toddlers do learn and respond really well to that because they're Mm -hmm. learning, yeah, that we're going to hold that boundary about where food belongs, um, but we're also going to be there to help them. Do you have any other tips then for toddlers? Like, is there a different reason Mm -hmm. that they would throw food? Yeah, I feel like I do see them overlapping so much. Once, mm. I mean, babies babies get smart, <laughs> you know, around 10, 11, 12 months, they definitely get smart. But I think toddlers, we also know, um, start to really assert their will and mm. can definitely, um, yeah, can definitely get stuck in some of these habits and patterns for longer. I would say that it's often, yeah, definitely the reasons can be similar, whether there's they're feeling overwhelmed by what's on their plate, they don't like that particular food, Um they're not feeling hungry, they're full, they're wanting attention. Another one can be, I think, that we start to see developing sometimes in those toddler stages is a little bit more of the sensory aversions and sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And if a toddler isn't um, yet isn't yet able to sort of use their fork independently um, or a spoon independently and we're serving them, you know, wet foods and we're serving them yogurts and slimy kiwi fruits and, you know, things that perhaps they still like eating but they don't like messy hands and they're struggling with the textures in their hands. That could be another reason we could see throwing. They pick it up and it's not nice. In their hands, they throw it off the table. So a helpful approach there, if you think that could be happening for your toddler, would be working on the cutlery skills. I think we can start to really work towards some more independence with cutlery skills between 18 months um, and two years of age with lots of practice and still some support and help, but offering cutlery and making that um, easy for them can be good. Or even older toddlers, if you feel like they're safe and able to manage it using toothpicks, if you put toothpicks in the fruit, that can be easier for them to pick up and they don't get their hands as dirty. Mm. That's probably an extra toddler reason we see. When would you introduce cutlery? I mean, I think like anything, if we want to, if we want a little one to use it, if you can introduce things from the start, it just means they're going to be familiar with it. We definitely have no expectations from the start, but spoons from the start, they can have those um, from six months or even before if you're giving that when you're um, introducing them to the concept of being in a high chair at the table. So preloaded spoons those first few months, and then we can start to um, yeah introduce a fork after 12 months, um, obviously nice and safe ones, but yeah, we really wouldn't be expecting independence or uh, mastery of any of those things until closer to two years. And so on the topic of high chairs, (laughs) what is a realistic expectation around our child sitting in in a high chair? Yeah, I mean, the research says... Um, for every year of age, let me try and articulate this right, we can expect about two minutes. So, I mean, if you've got a two-year-old, four minutes minutes is the amount of time we can typically expect them to sit um, mm. to sit still and be happy. And I'm I'm grateful that my daughter is able to do a little bit longer than that. And I think you'll find that there's toddlers that kind of, you know, go either side of that. But thinking mm. about five minutes for a two-year-old is probably um, probably appropriate. And so if we're sitting them in the high chair while we're cooking dinner or while we're getting things done, mm. and then we're expecting them to sit for another 15 minutes, I think it makes sense that we can see tricky behaviors because they may just be at their at their limit. Mm, that's really yeah, good to know actually is, I yeah. think that mm. you know we obviously sit at the table for like 
I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, however long it takes you to eat the dinner. And I think we sometimes think, okay, might not expect our child to sit for that whole length of time, but Mm -hmm. you'd be like maybe 10 minutes or like Mm -hmm. a decent portion so you can at least eat some food. (laughs) So it's good to know that it's actually... Well, even my like eight-year-old and five-year-old, They'll, they'll sit and finish the meal, but we have a rule now that they're older that they have to sit at the table until everyone's finished eating. Mm. And, yeah, I would say the five-year-old, like, max 10 minutes and then she's, you mm. know, and then both of them really, are, like, I don't even think my eight-year-old would last 16 minutes, like, if he really had to, but they start getting jittery and they, yeah. you know, start rocking on the chairs and they start falling off the chairs. And then yeah, <laughs> I feel like I do everything. that a little bit, or at least at the moment I've found, and I've had to be quite mindful because in the first trimester of my pregnancy, when I was feeling really unwell, I would, as soon as I had had whatever I could manage, I would hop up and like leave the table and lie on the couch. Mm. And then it's occurred to me sometimes, or like, you know, if the kids are still happily eating, it's like, oh, just quickly start like cleaning up the kitchen or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, having to really be like, no, come back and sit at the table. This is family meal time. Like wait until they're done as well, because we want to eventually when it's age appropriate, obviously foster that, that they wait until we're done. So yeah, it's been (laughs) a little reminder for me to do the same. And we even take breaks. We go and, you know, fill up our drink or go and get more you know Mm. save ourselves some more and that's you know in a sense it's a break it's a movement break and I think that can be okay to build in for our Mm. toddlers as well you know we've got to decide what our boundary is and be consistent with that Mm. so I know I'm going through this at the moment with Mm. Will who's two he will sit in his high chair but I reckon it's about a minute and then we call it the parade he does a parade (laughs) on the table and he just knocks over everyone's everything and we end up having to put him on the ground and then he doesn't eat dinner it's a great circle going around at the moment so anyway what can we do if our child is refusing to go in the high chair I mean you got to ask the why question again mm. um and clearly for Will it sounds like it's become a pretty fun it's game a game I think yeah <laughs> the, this is the problem where the kids laugh mm. yeah. they're like it's the parade and they're you all can... like yay the parade and I'm like no not yay but it's really hard with other <laughs> kids because they're laughing yeah oh, anyway. control your reaction but you can't control older siblings yeah it's and definitely a game that... the cheeky face mm. is like this is a mm-hmm. game mm. and yeah it's, it's so hard with other kids but anyway and uh, yeah, I think common reasons high chair refusal, yeah, can be because it's not comfy. And so maybe mm. sometimes simple adjustments, especially like little babies, simple adjustments, making sure everything looks all right from an ergonomic perspective and they're supportive or older babies, toddlers, like making the adjustments to the high chair, like lowering things down another notch or whatever, loosening the harness, mm-hmm. like they can be things. But I think, yeah, a common reason is the FOMO. Like they see fun happening across on the other side of the table or Maybe other siblings are, you know, playing in the playroom while the baby's being fed or the TV's Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be a big one. They just want to get out. You know, they want to move. They want to have fun. They want to play. Around 12 months, that desire to play and move is so strong. Um, So sometimes even like turning the high chair and making sure it's facing a less enticing corner of the room, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or that the toys aren't all right there, you know, within the line of sight can be helpful. Um, But those movement needs, especially, especially as, you know, kids, often boys as well, get older, that desire to move is so, so strong. And I think, yeah, making sure you offer lots of movement before meal times, whether that be like a game of, you know, run and chase or dance party in the kitchen while you're preparing food, making sure they've had a bit of a movement opportunity and it hasn't been like car seat, pram, high chair, mm-hmm. but they've had a chance to move beforehand's good. But yeah, all of it, the moment I've put her in, I think for toddlers, it can be really helpful to move out of the high chair 
restraint, obviously, you know, within safety guidelines, but I found it really helpful in our trip trap at the moment that she can get into it herself, she can get out of it herself. So there isn't that frustration of restraint. I think that's mm-hmm. been helpful, but it does mean that, you know, during meals, all of a sudden she'll just climb down and mm-hmm. uh, wander to the other mm-hmm. side of the room. So I think, I mean, parents have to decide what their boundary is and what they're okay with. And what we've set up is that she's allowed to have one break. So we let her come back once. Um, and I just label it that way rather than going like, oh, come back, have some more, chasing her around the room with food. Like she's not allowed to take any food away with her. I don't like chase her down with food. Um, I'm very enticing at trying to get her back, especially if it's early in a meal, but we just label it as a break. Like, mm. oh, you finished your break, you've come back. And then if she heads off again, we'll usually kind of say it's finished. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful because I think little ones do need to move and it can be a long time to sit and eat. Mm. But whatever the boundary is, trying to be consistent, offering choice mm. within it but being consistent with it. And I think sometimes parents get confused why they're, you know, they're told the struggles to sit for dinner, but if they've had snacks, you know, moving around the house all day, or if they've had snacks, in, you know, on their little couch while they're watching some yeah. TV, then it's confusing. Yeah. So I've even tried to be really consistent with even having snacks, you know, if we have a banana, okay. it's in the high chair. So it's, mm. so it's the same. Mm. I found my kids both, they would get sick of the high chair and then mm. want to come and sit on my lap, yeah. <laughs> which to be honest, like was, I mean, some foods it's really difficult, but I'd rather that, that then yeah. like I can actually eat my meal and they will continue eating. Yeah. Um, but they'll like start in their high chair and then wander around or at the moment, actually Bowie will hop down like from her chair. She says she's had enough. And then once Jude's finished, she wants to sit on his chair and eat okay. his dinner, which is actually great because they have quite like opposite food preferences. So okay. often like, I don't know if we have bolognese or something, he will eat the pasta and then she'll come back and eat the meat sauce. So I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll just allow it. <laughs> it doesn't bother they're, me. They're perfect examples mm. of offering choice. Like the boundary, it sounds like the boundary for you guys is food at the table, mm. but then you're offering choice within that. You know, is it going to be in your chair or is it going to be on mommy's lap or is it going to mm. be... You know, and even I'll often give all of that choice, you know, do you want to put your high chair next to mom or next to dad? And mm. I don't think those things are pandering. I think those things can just be like sticking with the boundary, but offering mm. choice within yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And what if you had a little one that wouldn't even go in the high chair, mm. that being a flag to potentially see someone like you? Yeah, we could definitely give some individualized strategies and make a plan. I mean, we know sitting in a high chair, sitting in a supportive seat is so helpful from a safety perspective, digestion, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition, r- lowers the risk of choking. Like it's so helpful, but we want to, um, we want to be individualized and some little ones, particularly if there's, um, you know, additional challenges, whether that be like a motor challenge or neurodiversity, we want to make sure we're being individualized, um, with our approach and there can be alternatives. And, you know, the Montessori approach with the little um, little table and little chairs, that can work really well for some. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as we love the concept of family meal, we can work at being inclusive even if, you know, a toddler was sitting at a smaller table and chair. So I think we can we can definitely be creative, but that would definitely be, a, yeah, a time where an OT would be able to help. Mm. Maybe you could do um, like what other cultures do and just have a low table that everyone mm. sits at instead or something and yeah. still make it work, I guess. Definitely. You could yeah. still find connection. For a little period of time. Still anyway. make it a family. That's a great idea. I'd probably enjoy that. Yeah. Picnic style. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Fiji and that's how like we would often eat dinner yeah. <laughs> on the floor. So, yeah, it's just different in different cultures what everyone does. But I think the most important thing we if we can try and do is family meal time. Mm. I think 
I know everyone will hear me harp on about that all the time, <laughs> but there's just so many benefits to it. And then the only way they're going to learn not to throw food or to sit in their chair is by watching you do that same thing. Mm. You know, I doubt there's many adults throwing their food across the <laughs> across the table. So <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> if not, if, yeah, if there's an adult throwing food, listen to this, I'm happy to help as an OG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might need to. Well, thanks so much, Rach, for letting us pick your brain. I'm sure we'll have you on in another yeah. few weeks to answer some more questions. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to Boob to Food, the podcast. We hope this episode made you feel inspired, confident, and less overwhelmed in your parenting journey. Head to the show notes for all the resources mentioned on today's episode. And if you loved this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week. Bye.